You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Needless Things Podcast. Um, this is exciting. I'm really happy about this one. This is something I've been wanting to do for over a year now, and that is get together with the folks who run the Great Atlanta Toy Convention and talk about what they do, because it's an awesome show, and you're going to hear all about it. I'm not going to get into it here in the introduction, because we've got a lot to cover before we even get to the, the meat of of the show, as it were, which is me going over to one of the many secret headquarters positioned throughout Atlanta, where the great Atlanta toy convention operates, and meeting up with uh, several of the members and talking toys and and really everything else. Uh, they have these meetings every Wednesday-ish. And I got invited to one thanks to my pals, Ricky and Bambi of Radio Cult, which you should go check out at RadioCult.com right now. Uh, and it may not be RadioCult.com. I'm, I'm so unprepared. I'm such a bad researcher. But just, hey, all you got to do is Google, Google Radio Cult. What do you have to do now? It's the internet. Come on. Uh, go check out some awesome music. Those guys are so much fun. Ricky and Bambi are just the sweetest people. And uh, they got me over with the Great Atlanta Toy Convention folks. So now I'm talking to them, and I'm going to be doing stuff at the convention next year in 2015 in March. But we've got other stuff to cover. That's right. There are things, even even bigger things at hand. And by bigger things, I mean the first ever Needless Things contest. What? Yes, contest. I'm giving things away, only I'm not giving them away. They're being given to you through me, via me, vis-a-vis, I'm sorry, uh, our sponsors for today's show are Zenoscope Entertainment, who I've been doing a lot of work with over the past few months, and it's honest stuff. They're not paying me, uh, unless you consider sending me PDFs of comic books paying me, which I guess you could. But if you know me, you know I'm not a guy who's going to look at something that's not good and tell anybody that it's good. I told them before we started working together that the reviews are going to be honest. And if they put out something that's crappy, then I'm going to say it's crappy. And so far, they haven't put out anything crappy. As a matter of fact, so far, I've been really impressed with Zenoscope, which is not what I was expecting. Because honestly, you know, you look at their their covers... And it's it's a lot of hot titty girls wearing thigh highs. And and don't get me wrong, I love hot titty girls wearing thigh highs. That's kind of the best. But it's not necessarily indicative of a good, solid comic book. But what I've come to learn over the past few months 
is that Xenoscope's basis is not just in hot titty girls wearing thigh highs. It's also in good storytelling. And I know that sounds crazy. And I know you look at the cover of Alice in Wonderland and see her little short skirt and her cleavage and her corset. And you don't think, well, this is going to be some solid storytelling. But I'll tell you right now, Xenoscope is is pretty much top standard aside from a lot of the image books and and image i mean they let creators do whatever they want uh xenoscope is really holding a high standard of of storytelling consistency and and just general entertaining stuff i mean i've I've really enjoyed everything i've read and i i did not expect to and i honestly am so that's for me that's a ringing endorsement anyway xenoscope is giving you stuff through needless things and hey believe it or not we've got a special guest that's dropped by the show just for today's episode with some exciting announcements now if you follow the website you know i've been talking about our first ever contest where you can win some awesome stuff which we'll get to in a minute and here to talk about awesome stuff is none other than Jen Sells, the marketing manager for our good friends over at Xenoscope Entertainment. How are you doing tonight, Miss Sells? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm doing great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm I'm always happy to be talking to wonderful people, and you've certainly been wonderful uh, talking, uh, just just dealing with Xenoscope and like kind of our first partnership with anybody, really. It's been a good time. You guys, you guys have been super about sending over comics and, and just communicating and stuff. It's been really cool. We've had a lot of fun with your stuff and I've, I have found, you know, kind of a whole new comic company that's cranking out stuff that I've enjoyed reading, which I didn't know I would until I started reading it. So that's, that's awesome. That's what- great. We're, we're, we're glad to hear it. I, I have to say too, um, that we we take you know we send we send you guys uh, a lot of stuff and you know we don't you know pay for reviews or anything like that it's just like hey if you like the stuff you want to write something that's great you know good bad or indifferent and uh, we we repost a lot of the stuff on social media um that you post and uh, they are some of our our highest shares from our Facebook page at Zenoscope. They are some of the highest shares and just some of the highest views. So I have to uh, thank you for that. Well, I, I mean, it's all it's all honest. I don't, you know, I, I told you before we even started doing this that, you know, if it was bad, I was going to say it was bad. And when you send me stuff, I'm going to give an honest review because that's what we do here. And I've I've never. Uh, you know, this is the first time we've ever gotten like comics or whatever that have just been sent to us in this way that, you know, I'm, it's, it's not stuff somebody here at the site's going out and buying on their own. And, and it doesn't matter to us. All we care about is giving good reviews and you're giving us good products. So it works out. <laughs> well, that's great. Yeah. The, the most recent one you did, I know was for the, for the holiday special. Um, yeah. Who, who doesn't love, you know, Krampus, you know, when it's all said and done, but, um, yeah. And, uh, and Krampus is, is one of the, the, the little known holiday traditions. And, uh, and we write about Krampus every year have been for a while. And uh, that was the most recent review you had and it's gotten, you know, 40 plus shares on different sites. So, um, that's, well, it's, uh, it's great. Krampus is, is actually kind of hot stuff right now, you know, not to the public at large, but to all, all the cool kids, 
or wearing Krampus t-shirts. So the cool <laughs> kids need to go out and pick up the Grim Fairy Tales holiday special. And I, I don't say that just because you're sitting here. I say that because it's really cool and it's a fun Krampus origin story, which is not the thing you always get from your, your Krampus oriented entertainment. Right, right. Our twist on, on, on the Krampus, you know, origin story. And, and, you know, that's what Zenoscope does is, is we take a lot of the, the classic stories that we all grew up with. Uh, we started with Grim Fairy Tales back in, in 2005. Uh, Joe Brush and Ralph Tedesco, who started the company, started a comic company in their basement and, uh, started with, you know, Little Red Riding Hood and just said, you know, where can we go with this? Um, and you know, that's, that's kind of how everything got started. And even though we call it groom fairy tales, it's, it's fairy and folk tales and urban legends and, you know, just, uh, gossip rumors and innuendo from, you know, all corners of the globe really. And so that's what we've really expanded, um, into. And so we've got, uh, Neverland, which, uh, you know, is, is hot right now with, uh, Christopher Walking playing Captain Hook and, uh, you know, Oz and, and Wonderland and Grim Fairy Tales and, you know, we kind of, uh, have taken all of that and made this whole grim universe. And so, you know, as, as we're talking about Zenoscope, that's really how we got started was with Grim Fairy Tales and, you know, expanded into Wonderland and, and now we do, uh, Charmed. A lot of people know the show Charmed and, and from, from CBS Entertainment and we have that in, in graphic novel form. We're getting ready to release the Jungle Book, um, in, in comic book form. So yeah, we're, we're growing and expanding and it's, uh, and it's a lot of fun. It's, it's definitely nice to enjoy what you, going to work every day and then being able to take 20 minutes out of the day and read a comic book. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And, and you guys are responsible for one of my new favorite comics, uh, Grim Tales of Terror. I, oh I really, really like that book. It's, it's a return kind of to the old EC comics, Tales from the Crypt type stuff. It's, I, I really dig that book a lot. Yes, our, our Crypt Keeper is, is, is a little bit more attractive than, than the we are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. She, she's a, uh, she's a hot redhead as opposed to a decrepit old puppet man. Yes. And that's, and, and that's really just going back to, to really how, how we got started. Um, and, and we are so lucky to be able to work with, with some incredible writers and, and, and artists and colorists and, and inkers and and just creators and people were able to to bounce ideas off of and and I know the the big story that that we've been talking about the last uh, couple of of days and, and weeks um, in the office is that you know we've just got some of the some of the biggest names in comics that are that are going to be working for us or who have worked for us and just compiling those names as we approach our tenth anniversary is has been, you know, kind of, kind of shocking and, and really kind of a, a really cool thing for us. Now, before we get to the goodies, before we get to the stuff that we're, we're giving away to one lucky Needless Things podcast listener, uh, what, what is going on right now? What have you guys got in the next few weeks or a couple of months coming out here? What, what, what are the hot titles? <laughs> the hot titles. Uh, let's see. We, we, we started back in August with, with our launch initiative. And for those who don't know what that is, uh, a lot of comic companies do this. Um, when, when you're releasing 
10 or 12 or 15 different different comics every month it's it's kind of hard for the uh for the comic book fan to kind of know where to where to start where to jump on you kind of look at us with grim fairy tales and we're up to you know grim fairy tales 105 which will be released next week and you know it's it's kind of daunting to try to figure out where to where to start reading so sure. what we've done is is the launch initiative is one of the things that we've started and in every ongoing arc in every ongoing story there's there's jumping on points there's you know where a new villain is introduced or a, a new story is taking over or or something is happening that makes it easy for folks to to be able to to grab on and to start enjoying the story and not have to worry that they're getting into some big mythology. So that's one of the things that we started doing was was our launch initiative, and and we have some great you know ongoing series like Robin Hood for example. Um, our Robin Hood is 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 a female archer. Uh, she has an attitude problem. Um, she uh, and and she basically kicks ass. So that's one of the new comics we have out, and she's got her own ongoing story, Tales of Terror, like you mentioned, which are each standalone issues that we have coming out. Grim Fairy Tales, Realm War, we've got a got a whole bunch of them. The Jungle Book, which is if if a lot of people are familiar with um, Xenoscope, we did a couple of Jungle Book uh, issues, you know, a couple of years ago, and now we're we're kind of re revitalizing that franchise um, with Mark L. Miller, who's a fantastic writer, and some people may may recognize that name. But the big news we have is that um, we have uh, some brand new miniseries that we are starting, and one is is the White Queen. Which will be, which will our, be our, our new our Wonderland, Wonderland series. series. And, uh, and our and Wonderland, Wonderland is, is I, I describe I it kind of like, like this. this. Um, um, if, 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 if Rob, Rob Zombie, Zombie and Quentin Tarantino, Tarantino remade, remade Wonderland, Wonderland, that's what our that's Wonderland, Wonderland is like. <laughs> It's bloody and it's violent and, uh, and it's, it's twisted. And, and Wonderland is, Strangely enough, one of our most popular titles, but that's what Wonderland is all about. So, uh, she's, Wonderland has the White Queen now, and so this is her origin story. And, and the big news is that in, in February, um, we will be, uh, releasing the Little Mermaid story. And our Little Mermaid story is, is really neat because we have kind of an all-star cast that's working on it. Ivan Nunes, who a lot of people know is a fantastic colorist and he's doing a lot of the, the colors for us. David Finch, who is a, who's a name, uh, in, in the comics world is doing, uh, our covers and, and Meredith Finch, who got a lot of press recently, uh, about, uh, her run on Wonder Woman that just started. She's going to be writing, um, The Little Mermaid for us. Oh, very cool. So, very cool. Yeah. And he's, are there any, are there singing crustaceans? <laughs> there are not. Um, our, our little mermaid has, uh, has, has been through it and, uh, and she's got her own origin story and, uh, and let's just say the, the, the sea witch, um, is, is, you know, there's, there's no, uh, 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 there's no, uh, no big yellow fish flipping around. Yeah, there's no mercy when it comes to the <laughs> no mercy and no singing. See, yes, exactly, no singing. <laughs> well, and that's what that's what you guys 
are, are good at is, you know, it's, it's such a trite thing to say. It's a new twist on an old idea, but you guys really are good with that. Like it's, it's not just a, a little catchphrase. All the books that I've read so far, first of all, each issue that I've read, I've understood on its own. I haven't felt lost in a massive story arc. And while they do all connect and while there are ongoing stories, I feel like you could pick up any Xenoscope book and, and know what's going on. It, it's not difficult to dive into. Uh, but, but yeah, it's, it's familiar properties done in new ways. And I, I dig it. I think you guys are doing a good job with it. Well, thanks. Well, thanks. thanks. We, like I said, we, we've got to give all the, all the love to the creative teams. I mean, you know, we work with, with like the amazing artists and, and writers and Pat Chand and Erica J. Heflin and Latoya Morgan. And, you know, the list goes on and on. Miguel Mendonca, uh, and Antonio Bifolco and Luca Claretti. You know, these, these names are just some of the most amazing people. And we will be talking. Uh, to some of those names here on the podcast in the coming months and year or so. With, you know, when everybody's, you know, great to work with and they kind of like that, you know, every, every company is going to be different. So, you know, you're going to find something out there that you like and hopefully you give Zenoscope a chance. So go to your local comic book shop, pick up some Zenoscope comics, see what they've got. But before you do that, we're going to tell you how to win a Zenoscope prize pack from Zenoscope Entertainment and from Needless Things. First of all, what is in this prize pack, Jen Sells? <laughs> well, we are really excited about um, the, the brand new emphasis we are placing on Wonderland. And Wonderland is one of those properties that everybody's familiar with. Alice in Wonderland and everybody's familiar with the, the White Rabbit and the Mad Hatter. Our Wonderland, like I said earlier, is a little bit different. It's very violent. Um, and it's, it's very sexy in a lot of ways. And it's, it's just very different, um, than, than through the looking glass that you may expect. And so what we've done is we've put together this prize pack. We have, um, as uh, as needless things was was so wonderful to to review for us our Alice action figure that's uh, that's done by CS Moore and uh, and we are really excited about that so you'll get the the Alice in Wonderland action figure you'll also get the Alice uh, board game that's the Wonderland board game so if if you haven't had a chance to uh, to see what uh, the other side of the looking glass is like well we will, we will take you on that journey and then not only that but the graphic novels that we have for, for Wonderland. So we'll pop some graphic novels in the prize pack as well so you can familiarize yourself with Zenoscope while you're playing the game and enjoying the action figure. And so, uh, yeah, we're, we're happy to, uh, to, to hand this out to some lucky uh, uh, listener. That's awesome. That's so cool. And that action figure, uh, for, for those that know, and a lot of people that listen to this podcast probably do know, uh, it was sculpted by Claiborne Moore, who is a legend amongst, uh, not only statues, but action figures. He came along, well, he didn't come along. He got into the action figure market around the same time that Todd McFarlane was revolutionizing everything and created the best female action figures that have ever been made. And now he's making the ladies of Xenoscope. 
Yes. 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 That is that is very that true. Is and true. and we are so and lucky, are so lucky to, to to be able to, to you know, we kind of bow to, to the expertise that's over there uh, at the studios. And so we just, you know, you know, you get the, you get this great issue that goes along with it. And then you get this, this unbelievable action figure. It's, it's, it's a little bit different version of Alice, but she's got all of her accessories as well. So yeah, I mean, we, we are just unbelievably lucky to, to be able to work with them and, and we'll have some more great, and not only action figures, but also statues coming out as well, and that's what we're working on in the coming year, too. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, I don't want to take up any more of your time. I know you've got uh, Gotham to watch, among other things. Uh, but thanks for tonight. Oh, Constantine tonight. That Matt Ryan fella sure is good. Not as sexy as some other Matts that I know, but pretty darn good. I don't know who you're talking about. But, yeah. No, I don't either. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, we will talk to you again soon, as well as some other folks over there at Zenoscope. Absolutely. Thank you for the time. Thanks, Jen. All right, Phantomaniacs, here's what you've got to do. If you want to win a Zenoscope Entertainment prize pack consisting of an Alice in Wonderland action figure, a Wonderland board game, and an undetermined number of Wonderland trade paperback collections, you are going to send to the email address phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Subject line is going to be needless things in Wonderland. I want you to use one sentence to tell me what you would bring with you if you were going to Wonderland. You must include your name and your mailing address, and that's it. You have until midnight Eastern Time on December the 13th to get your entry in. Do not enter more than once, uh, and, and we're going to kick off the 12 days of Christmas with this contest, and I will announce uh, the following week who won uh, the winner will get their notification as soon as I get it. I don't know what I'm going to be doing at midnight on the 13th. It's entirely possible it's going to involve heavy drinking. Uh, it's entirely possible it's going to involve wrestlers and naked ladies. So I'm probably not going to be checking contest results at that point. But you'll know within a couple of days. So, once again... Subject line, Needless Things in Wonderland. Tell me what you would bring with you if you were going down the rabbit hole into Wonderland. Include your name and address and send it to phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Have it in by midnight on December 13th and you could win the Wonderland prize pack from Zenoscope Entertainment. And thank you so much to our pals over at Zenoscope, you know, not just for doing this, but for, for providing us with good comics and uh, for providing us with some podcast material over the next several months. Where I'm, I'm curious to talk to these guys. I think it's going to be a good time. Remember, you can listen to the Needless Things podcast on iTunes and on Stitcher. And really, there's just not that much more to say. I, oh, I will say this. That's right. I wanted to address the sound quality uh, of that call. We had a lot of problems connecting on our our pal Skype. Echo problems, call dropping problems. I feel we were very lucky to get that thing finished. 
Uh, there's a lot of echo on Jen's side in the last portion of that, and there's just nothing I could do about it at all. It, it was it, I didn't even hear it until I was going into production on this episode. So I'm sorry for that, but that's what happens when you're using freeware and when you're running things on the cheap. And uh, that's just the way it goes, guys. I hope it didn't drive you too crazy. Uh, it, it drove me absolutely nuts at first. I, I felt like the guy in scanners. But then the more I, I sort of edited and listened to it, I mean, it, it's bad, but it's not the worst thing I've ever heard. And, and for a brief segment, you know, I couldn't put up a whole show like that, but for, for a brief segment promoting the contest, uh, I'll say it's not that bad. Okay, it's bad. But anyway, here's some good. It's time to talk to the awesome folks of the Great Atlanta Toy Convention. So kick back, grab your favorite action figure, and prepare to talk about just a lot of people's personal histories with toys and stuff and how a group of people came together to put together an awesome thing that, that goes beyond just being a toy show. Uh, it's a good talk. Enjoy. One more town on the merry-go-round One more room in the view One more farm getting nothing but the junk Try to get a phone call to you. Well, now maybe I'll never get myself together. Maybe it's the end of the line. But I'm having a ball. I'm bouncing off the wall. You're never too small to hit the big time. One more fly feeling sick as a dog. A bear. One more mess of the flu. One more die. <laughs> So we were we were talking, but well, I, let's go around and say who's here first of all. Um, David, Lane. David Lane, Craig Stockman. I am Elsa E. J. White. Kathy Ellis. Mark McGinnis. Bambi Land. Ricky Zero of the Bad Radio Call. That's right. Get that band name in there. We'll let you guys plug away at the end. Like Martin, Martin, everything, all the sites. Yeah, Mark's in the other room. And everybody will rotate through at some point. Um, before we started recording, we were talking about your history with GI Joe and and your amazing collection out here of original Joe stuff. You know, my my taste tends to run towards the the eighties guys. But you, I mean, you've got a heck of a collection out there. And if if you don't mind, uh, how did you get started again? I got started around around 1996. Um, Hasbro put out a reproduction of the 1964 Joes, mm-hmm. and I took my oldest son uh, Christmas shopping for his mom. And we were walking through Target, and they had that figure on an end cap. And I, we're walking down the aisle, and I just saw it out of the corner of my eye, and I looked at it, oh my, and I went just crazy. Oh, my God, this was the one. This is my favorite toy when I was a kid. This is incredible. And so we looked at it for a minute, and then we continued shopping, got, you know, got the present for Mom, and then uh, came home, and I had to go somewhere else. And so I left, and when I walked out the door, she told me later, 
he literally started jumping up and down. We've got to go to Target. I know what I'm getting Dad for Christmas, and he got that for me for Christmas. And so I, I tell him that uh, he created the monster. <laughs> he started it all. Yeah, Joe Collection. Yep, he did. It's funny just thinking about the fact that I'm sitting in a room full of people that we all know exactly what an end cap is. <laughs> like that's not necessarily common, right, but everybody common. in here knows that that's the featured spot. Yeah, right. That would now that kicked off some reissues of G.I. Joe, didn't it? Because yep. I think Target had the exclusive initially. They Didn't they do the Navy SEAL and the Sailor? Like They, they ended up with a lot of just plain boxed versions right. over the next few years. Yeah, they did, they, they did that reproduction of the 64 Joe, which was the first of what was called the Timeless Collection. Mm-hmm. And they've had many figures, uh, re-releases of the 64 to 69 military era in the Timeless uh, Collection. And they also did, you're talking about the Navy SEAL, that was from a line called the Classic Collection, where they did more modern stuff and different head sculpts uh, that were not reminiscent of the 64 uh, era uh, Joes. And uh, that was the Classic Collection and did just tons of modern stuff and adventure kind of gear, adventure themed kind of stuff as well in that line. So, Now, did you, you got that first release where did it go from there well then it started i wanted to just get the stuff that i had when i was a kid kind Mm -hmm. of recreate my childhood collection because my i I got a younger brother and kid brother and you know everything got passed down so i got nothing left of no child no uh, toys left from my childhood and he um uh, so then i was going to just recreate the things that i had from my childhood and then it then it's got a life of its own yeah. after that and yeah. because you can't see it what Dave's talking about um, is uh, I've got over I've got over 500 uh, figures virtually every um, uniform set that Hasbro put out from 64 to 69 displayed on a, you know I, I built in a room on my house to uh, house the collection so. it, it's it's amazing and and the, I love that you have the uh, the planes hanging from the ceiling yeah you've got the what you've got a boat in there too what, what is it is landing craft yeah uh yeah that, but i built that uh, oh really yeah um, and yeah it's it's uh yeah uh, especially in uh, lcvp which is landing craft vehicle and personnel um uh, modeled after um the higgins boats from world war Two, and i've uh, got a, the diorama with a, with marines coming down the cargo net loading yeah. onto the loading onto the landing craft and um, the the number on it, the number I painted on it is actually a number of uh, landing craft uh, that was uh, destroyed on the beach of Iwo Jima. Oh so, wow! It's, so it's it's historically accurate in that respect, and the uniforms that the Marines are wearing are historically accurate to the to that era as well. How how has it been collecting this vintage Joe stuff? I mean, did, did it start off? It, how much? Did the internet play into it? How much did just going around to, to different shows? Mm-hmm. Uh, how how all of the how did the momentum build? I all, guess all of the above. It started when I first started collecting. eBay was just coming on, and I mm-hmm. had an aunt who was an aunt, actually an antique dealer. She had a booth at a at a you know one of those uh, wasn't wasn't a flea market, but it was in an antique mall, and she had a booth there. And she told me, "Oh, you got to check out this eBay thing." And so I went, "I wonder if they got GI Joe on there." And <laughs> lo and behold, they did. Sure, sure. And so then I started buying, and then I found out online about the Atlanta group, the Atlanta Collectors Club, mm-hmm. um, I probably, you know, I kind of felt like I was the Lone Ranger for a long time, but well, it wasn't a long time, a couple of years, and then I discovered the Atlanta group who had a web, who had a web page, uh, 
uh, still do, but it's very different nowadays. Um, and in around 1998, and started going to the meetings, and you're here at one of the meetings that, that uh, resulted from from all that. And thanks for having me here. Yeah. I appreciate yeah. it. You're now, delighted to have you. Now, how how did you all come together? Was it from the <laughs> the online? Was it the desire? Because I don't know how involved everybody is with Joe Lanta. Well, I met everybody through the show. Okay. And Two thousand was the first show. Yeah, two thousand. Yeah, two thousand. So from that point, followers when I started in And the show, how? How? I mean, it's. I feel like the past probably three or so years, it feels like it's really grown a lot. But how? How did it start off? What? What was? Well, the truth. The truth of the matter, if Buddy was here, Buddy would tell you. The show was actually built for me because I never got to go to a national show. So he tells everybody that Joe Atlanta was starting because of VJ. I've been, I've been with Joe Atlanta from the beginning. Now, they call me the original roadie of Joe Atlanta. I was the one early in the mornings or late at night setting up tables the first one there in the morning. When from dawn to, from dawn to dusk, I was, I was there. So that's where they say Joe Atlanta started from, just just because of me. <laughs> now, how, how did you get started with collecting and dealing? Because I bought stuff from you. How did everybody? How did you get? How did you get going? I started when GI Joe first came out. I'm I'm years older than GI Joe, but um, I started with with, with, with the beginning '64. Uh, some friends of mine in the neighborhood had this cool toy that every kid was piling around and they would see what it was and I thought that that was the coolest thing in the world to see so I still have the original G.I. Joe radio the yellow the brown and the black one that my friends gave me over 50 years ago I still have it in my collection I still have part of my childhood collection that's sitting at home oh wow and at one point before my good friend Martin Gelat who's in the other room was uh, buzzing me to scare down at one Jordan I was quoted on how many Joes that I have. At one point, I had over 2,500 figures. I knew it was more than that, you know, because I stopped counting at, 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 at uh, 2005. Sure. I, I, I just stopped. And thanks to Martin, it's been scared down and scared down and drafted. <laughs> but um, if you come to my house, it's not as, a, as a elaborate as David has in there, or Buddy or some of the other guys collection. And I, I have, um, like I say, some of my original stuff still on the shelves, um, and I also am a kit basher. I like to mix and match stuff and all. And mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of, of basic girl figures and, and the steampunk stuff, so I do a lot of that. Yeah, you like some of the newer stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. not just all old. Yeah, I got some. I got a little of, of everything. See, that's that's the point I've I've gotten to. I collect a lot of new stuff uh, that's coming out now. I like a lot of the stuff that Naka is doing. Um, Funko is doing some cool stuff now, and I'm just starting to really want to buy some of the stuff I had when I was a kid, or some of the stuff I didn't have when I was a kid. Uh, like in humanoids, are yeah. kind of that's right now the thing that I'm like, do I really want to start that? But the good thing about it is, is it's over. There are only so many pieces to buy, and once you do, you're done. Which is that's the tough thing about collecting modern toys is they keep making them. Yeah, but you can expand your horizon, you know, because um, 
I'm a person that I try to always do the what if. What if Hasbro had done this? What if Hasbro had done it? What if Mattel had done this? After Mattel did the Max Steel line and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and they stopped doing them, and then they caused us reproducing again. But the line, I don't really care for the line. No, I don't either. And uh, I, I feel like the older line was really neat. It was, and the new one that they, they it doesn't really have the the customization. It's not as interesting to look at as it looks like everything else that's out there. That's what I'm saying. So I I got into doing like I said the kid bashing. Mm-hmm. I, you know, my, that's how my collection action spoilers got started from from the beginning. I would tell my wife, well, you know, when I go to stuff, she said, well, why are you buying two or three? Well, one to keep in the box, one to take out the box, uh, one to sell. And But other than that, basically, was for, I'm just buying this to take pieces out, you know, so I can catch back with it. But it never got to the point where a lot of stuff came out of the, out of the box, you know, to be done like that. So I would go to Joe Atlanta or toy show. Somebody have a hard part of the root stuff. Hey, I know what you want for that. Sure. So I buy and go home and pour it out on the floor. I need it and then I sell it. Keep that. And that's where that's where it got started because there was no more imagination. You know, once the military line and the Vintage line was done, you know that was it. But like I say, I've carried it into another area with doing steampunk, um, futuristic stuff, and you know it. it, it it, it just you know it's whatever your mind and imagination will let you do. So you you've got an even broader toy addiction in that you'll walk in somewhere and see something that you may not collect, but you'll see a piece of it and think, yep. "Oh, that little piece of that thing would be really cool." Else, oh gosh. Oh yeah. <laughs> but the person that you really need to meet, another person who's not hitting that, Brian Tatum. Brian Tatum oh, is uh, actually the guru of that. He will go on the toy store because he'll buy any kind of toy. He will buy even an uh, 8-inch figure. If he sees the potential of something goes on a 12-inch figure, he would take it home. He would dissect it. Next thing you know, he married it some kind of way to that and pump it out because he did a steampunk uh, bullet man of his, of his own. Mm-hmm. I said, man, where you get the glove from? Oh, man, they came out that Batman figure. It's an 8-inch figure. But the hands on it, you put them on, they're almost 12 inches tall. It's, and it's cool. It's cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. If you saw Brian's collection, he'd give you a toy. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's literally like a toy store. Yeah. yeah. He has yeah. a warehouse. Yeah. It's literally the He's like 5,000 5, square feet of toys. Yep. He requires with, <laughs> with the, the holes to hang them up Where's on. To see his collection, oh you have to uh, sign uh, a waiver and have I'm a paramedic. You have to wear a blindfold to get Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he literally didn't have a, a room for his collection in his house. He had a room where he lived in, in his, 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 his collection. <laughs> oh, wow. And I'm not kidding. Yeah, his living space is in, like, seriously smaller than his, like, considerably smaller. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, they finally bought another house somewhere else, and, and he's dared to bring toys in there. But he do slip some in there, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of our situation. We we had to get a house with a livable basement for all my stuff, but some of it's kind of crept upstairs yeah. a little bit. My it happens. Is, my wife is very supportive, you know. Um, when she met me, I was collecting, I wasn't collecting G.I. Joe anything, I was doing, I was a big moving nut. And when the, the G.I. Joe, the Hall of Fame figure hit Target, I had a fit of the eye, I gotta get one. So, my mom and me, we went and got a couple of them, and, and I got back into it again, and some years later, I'm going to the toy shows, I'm in the pro- process of buying a, um, 
of Rum the Robot figure from the 80s. Remember the comics of Rum? Oh, yeah. I bought one. This guy, English guy had one. And just as I finished making the purchase, I got snatched from the table. Mom said, come with me. I got some people you need to meet. And I said, okay. I said, I'll be right back for my toy. Went around the corner. It was Bud Infinity and Brian Becker. They were there selling G.I. Joe's and trying to start a club. Because like David said, I knew I wasn't the only person out there because when I was going to talk to somebody else is buying this stuff. Right, right. It ain't no kid buying this. <laughs> no kid got no pocket like this. Like this. <laughs> and lo and behold, they were sitting there with all this stuff and I thought I'd died and went to hell. And I said, oh, God. <laughs> Look at all this stuff. You want to be in a club? I said, what kind of club? My wife said, I've already signed you up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, you know, she, she's been very supportive. You know, you know, every house we've ever lived in, I've always had an area that um, I call it Joe's room. Now where we live in there is the living room. You know, so you walk in my house, you walk right into the, whoa, there you go. There you walk in. <laughs> you two well, yeah, I got two living rooms because we all come to another room, but the other room with nothing in, with that kind of stuff in it. So I say she, she's very supportive. Well, the, the funny thing about uh, the, the fact that a few of my, like, nicer things, a couple of statues or whatever made their way upstairs now, our living room is a whole wall of Living Dead dolls. Because oh, yeah. if, uh, yeah. if if I'm going to have my stuff upstairs, then she's going to have. Uh, <laughs> and again, like I said when I first got here, because uh, I mean mine is different sections of different things. It's not a massive wall of, of collection. Like I've got a, a He-Man, a Star Wars, whatever. But that I like yours because it's all one collection and that's what like hers looks so nice because it's all the same thing like it all it's nice to see a big powerful here's all this stuff yeah yeah uh, anybody else want to talk about how you got into toys what your your background is I started my first figure was Captain Action Seven sixty eight, mm-hmm. and I actually yeah. still have that particular figure. Oh, really? The one? Yeah, the same one. Wow! Suppose, you know they brought it off. Sure, sure. So, uh, one hand's been replaced. I think it was replaced the sixty eight, but uh, he's still still around. He's oh, wow! There's in my collection. That's great. Uh, then, I guess it was around the same time you started back late nineties when uh, I saw Dragon put out two one sixty L figures. Oh, yeah. And they were like eighteen dollars a piece or something, and I, and I picked up those two sight unseen. And then I started getting the Hasbro figures, and it's just mushroom from there. That dragon, st- it's amazing uh, how the sixth scale market has changed in the last, I guess, decade. Because I, I got really into, well, what started me was the Ultimate Soldier stuff. Yeah, yeah, I did those too. Um, and and they were they were under twenty bucks. They, they and they were fantastic figures, and now get out of here. Um, now that stuff that I don't feel is any better quality, but a good one six scale figure is like a hundred bucks now or more. That's a cheap. Uh, well, yeah, the hot to- the hot toys stuff you're getting up into the two hundred seventy five three hundred dollar price range now. The private round figure that just came out was just released. I think it's. Yeah, and that I mean that's that's average for that for for a quality figure in that scale now, and it's wild that that's happened because I've I've got uh, I've got the, some of the Star Wars releases that Sideshow did and uh, some of their Buffy stuff, and um, 
you know, that stuff was all 20, 30 bucks when I started buying it. And it slowly, you know, Sideshow in particular got to the point where I just couldn't get them anymore. And then it was, it's really odd that that's happened with that scale in particular. And I don't know if it's the license stuff that got into it and changed things or, or do you guys have any thoughts about that? <laughs> well, yeah. Greed's changed everything. Uh, also, there's, there's no, there's no 12 inch product on the shelves that yeah. really yeah. has any quality to it anymore. And so it's gone from one extreme to another. You know, you want a quality product, but now you're going to pay for it. But you don't have any other option. There's nothing else to buy. You're not going to buy a 12 inch figure or an 8 inch figure that just goes like this. Well, but that, yeah. that's what's on the shelf now though, is those new, yeah. the Star Wars and the Marvel heroes with yeah. the five points of articulation. Yeah. I mean, that's what they're putting out there now. Or in the next story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Which, you know, that's, that's, there's a certain amount of nostalgia to those too though because that does go back to the original 12 inch Star Wars figures that were yeah. just the big chunks of plastic you know but the only time now you probably see a, a fully articulated 12 inch figure now is that big life around Christmas yeah. time they have some in the store in the stores now and they're 12 bucks a figure and they're, they're fully articulated clothes but the thing about Eminem with Eminem toys power team figures they um they basically has the same one out every year, but you know, if you're a 12-inch collector, like I am, you're going to find a way to make that figure work any kind of way you wanted to do, because uh, I was in the store the other night and I said, man, I need to get that Oriental figure, man, I can make me a nice steampunk Kato. And I said, okay, justify going and buying this thing. My wife standing there looking at me, okay, justify it. I said, I'm going to justify it. I bought it, I went home and found the Kato outfit, put some goggles and some other stuff on, bam, he steampunk. You know, but it's just exciting to go in and just to, just to see it, you know. And last year, Deal's Department Store, which is like an offshoot, it's owned by Dollar General. I walked in there around Christmas and said, man, it would be nice to see a 12-inch figure. And I walked in and wanted to cry. They had a power team figure on the shelf for eight bucks. I said, there must still be a God out there because he gave me a 12-inch figure. <laughs> walked in there this year, I haven't seen one. But, you know, it's, it's whatever the market dictates. I sometimes think... Um, what time is forgetting about us because I guess they said the majority of us who play with the 12 inch figure we're old in there like I said, I'm almost 57 years old you know and I guess that I, I don't agree with you anymore I don't think you're anymore. in the demographic yeah. 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 12 inch yeah. figure yeah. out yeah. 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 I've been collecting the uh, the Avengers figures. I've got just about the entire uh, Avengers up there in my room. I like them because of the colors, but you know, and I'm not worried about they don't do this and the other. It's a 12 inch figure right now to me, you know. Yeah. You know, it sucks a little bit, but it works a little bit too. Well, and I mean, for the value, which is a lot of what has changed toys at retail is Walmart. Yeah. Because they are, regardless of the selection they have, they're the biggest toy retailer in the United States. Sure. And the toy companies have to consider shelf space and bang for your buck. Which is why the only large toys you're going to see are those giant X-Wings that they're doing right now. Because yeah. they're relatively cheap. But Walmart wants as, you know, as much stuff on that shelf space as they can get. So if it is a larger toy, it's got to be something cheap. And those 12-inch you know, simple figures... They love them, yeah. And and they have 
they've created kind of a new market with those things because when they first started showing up, I mean, I, I, don't know, I was certainly wasn't interested in them, and they didn't seem like anything that that would be that big. But they're selling like crazy now. Yeah, yeah that's true. And and like you said, if you're a 12 inch collector, they're the 12 inch figures that are on the market right now. Yeah, I mean, there also was a rumor too with um, Walmart a couple of years ago when the uh, what we call the 40th anniversary GI Joe sets. You know, they were carrying some of the exclusives, and they said that um, some of the last ones, which were pictured on the back of, of the boxes, were never produced because they said it was something to do with Walmart had agreed to take them, and they didn't take them, so that all that fell through. So yeah. a lot of people still had this, like the black helicopter theory. They're sitting somewhere in a warehouse, and God only knows which they let them go out and dump. Some someday they'll show up at Big Lots or something. Oh yeah, Tommy yeah. Morris, four or five years ago, yeah. had that overflow of dragon and yeah. 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 What? Yeah. They had they had the big one six scale. Uh, I don't remember what kind of tank it was, but yeah, 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 beautiful tank. And I I want to say it was like forty or fifty bucks. I mean, it was yeah. Yeah. Sergeant Watt showed up in Tuesday morning too. Dreams and visions. I bought all the ones that Ron Tatum could find. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, when we were going around introducing ourselves, Martin wasn't in here. Oh, yeah. That's right, Martin's just joined us. Say your name and say hi. Martin's alive. Hi. That's Marty Mark. Now, I was just going to say, like, the, to me, and I only say this now because I have two daughters that like this, and you guys know what I'm going to say. Yep. Monster yeah, High? Yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I mean, like, as, a, as someone who goes into stores appreciating good toys, Monster Eye's got it going on right yeah. now. I mean, what a creative, inventive line that continues to come out with good product. I mean, and not to stand on, I mean, that's the coolest girl toy that... <laughs> no, they're fantastic. We, awesome. we, like, we, wow. We've got a wall of those at home, too. <laughs> and what's interesting about the Monster High stuff is going back to the shelf space thing, they have huge play sets. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, if you if you look at that Monster High section, it's massive. They, they get a lot of space for their stuff, and Walmart and all the other retailers don't seem to have any qualms about stocking the big... You know, right. school yeah, thing school and the, yeah, bucks, or twenty yeah. bucks for the car. It was only twenty bucks. Yeah, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, and they're there, and that's the genius. It's one of those. Well, and see, to me, that's one of the advantages a six scale line is going to have is your the body, the base for the most part. You use it over and over and over and over again, but make different figures with it. You put different clothing on it in the Monster High. Like, they have some sculpted pieces that are different, but the base body, they're getting so much use out of that one tooling. But they're, but it's cheap. But yeah, I mean, so if you have a whole wall of them, you've also seen, though, that even though they may use the general structure, there's so the many characters that have, you know, different, yeah, yeah skin you know, diseases. <laughs> right, right. Well, they, they did the one, they did the one uh, steampunk Oh, yeah, girl, exactly. with the the bolts yeah, and the plating yeah, yeah, and everything. Right. So uh-huh. I mean, they they are. I mean, they do. I think just enough to keep them different, but yeah. the, they've still got a good cost effective strategy, just like the traditional GI Joe strategy of you know, here's this body. We're going to stick a different head on it and different right. clothes on it. Right. And while we're on the topic of Monster High, that's a good one for Bambi. Oh, I love Monster Bambi High. Bambi collects Monster High, although she does have a couple of GI Joes. Yeah, I have a few. 
Not many. Not many. You have your custom Martian manhunter. I was going to say, yeah, I have a. a, Uh, She's a big Martian manhunter collector. Yes, I I customized one to make it Martian manhunter. Oh, nice. Glitter nail polish for the eyes. (laughs) (laughs) Has he had the glitter? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I made my own Martian manhunter, which means glitter. Awesome. Lots of glitter. Fabi probably has the largest Martian Manhunter collection of anyone I know. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of them. <laughs> to the point where I see it, if I see any toy, I'm like, do I have that one? I don't remember. Oh, wow. <laughs> but the other problem, yeah, a lot of Martian Manhunters don't look really similar, though. You know, they don't really change the design on most of them. Right. So they'll do, you know, little three-inch ones and then another one. It looks almost the same. Well, and yeah, when you look at the, like, the Justice League Unlimited ones, yeah, they exactly. released them 50 times, yep. but there are three or four variations. Within those yes. fifty different releases, and even the packaging looks so similar. Yeah, yeah. One little thing, and I don't say packaging. Do you have? Uh, I think it was Hasbro, or it might have been Kenner, right before they they went down. Did nine inch Mego style DC figures? Oh, yeah. yeah. You got that one? Okay. I'm gonna make sure. There was, there was the 9-inch one, but there was also the yeah. uh, the retro action hero Mego. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yes. That that one too. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the, the, a lot of people aren't even aware of the. I, I want to say it was Hasbro, but they did like Green Arrow, um, Martian Manhunter, Aquaman, and then they did some Target exclusives that were. Bruce Wayne that could change into Batman yeah, and Clark Kent that could change into Superman. Like, it was a really nice line. More secret yeah. identity ones. Yeah. Yeah, Hasbro originally had the line, then uh, somewhere through a contract, bid or something like that, they lost it to Mattel. Okay. Yeah. I would love, well, love to see a John Jones one, though. Yeah, they, ne- they rarely yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the Hasbro... No, Toy Biz was doing the yeah. famous covers. That's what led, I think, to Hasbro trying to do the DC ones. Because mm-hmm. famous covers were huge for a long time, which was a weird thing to happen. Because that was, what, early like, early 90s, you like, think? Like, was when the famous covers were big? And yep. those those were the, like, they were done in the style of Migos, but they were bulkier and more muscular. Mm-hmm. But they were the clothed, you know, eight-inch scale figures. So with starting with Joe Lanta, mm-hmm. building it around EJ. What went into that? I mean, how, starting it, I mean, how do you start a convention? How, well, um there's, there's been a national convention for a lot of years, probably mm-hmm. since the 80s. Mm-hmm. And uh, Buddy Finnethy, Lanny Latham, um, Jim, Marinetti. Jim Marinetti, and EJ had been a part of the National Club for a long time and friends with Brian Savage, who's the, who's the director, owner and director of the National Club. And they had the idea to just do a regional show. So they knew a lot of the collect, uh, collectors and dealers who dealt with the national show. And so they just started talking it up with those guys that were going to start a regional show. Lanny Latham, I believe it was, came up with the name Joe Lanta. Mm-hmm. And um, the first one was at the uh, uh, Marriott at Pleasant Hill Drive, 85 Pleasant Hill, which is now something, some European-owned um, uh, hotel now, but it was the, the Atlanta uh, Pleasant, Pleasant Hill Marriott at the time probably had I remember it clearly and I'm guessing 25 dealers maybe 
and a couple of hundred people paid through the door. But it was largely just word of mouth among collectors because we knew the, the local club and um, they, they sent out a postcard. Cotswold has always been a big sponsor of it. They're one. They're one sixth. Uh, Workhorse. Mm-hmm. They're based in Whidbey Island, uh, Washington, but they they um, actually got started doing. The first thing they did was uh, reproduction action man hands. They did some work in England, hence the name Cotswold, which is a region okay. in, in Scotland, and um, they got the rights to reproduce the hands for for GI Joe and Action Man because that's the first thing that gets broken on a GI Joe from that era. Is it? And so they were reproducing hands, and then they slowly expanded and expanded and expanded. Now they're in, they're just an incredible dealer, one sixth custom stuff and um, uh, vintage stuff, anything you can imagine. They they are the real workhorse. Uh, right now, but they've always been a sponsor of Joanna and been part of Joanna. So they had a mailing list of around ten thousand, and they agreed to send out a postcard for Joanna to, oh, wow. to advertise with their. And that was the real advertising that was done for those early shows was uh, the mail out to the Cotswold mailing list. And so you know, a lot of people, a couple hundred people showed up from mostly then from Georgia, South Carolina, sure, uh, and and. Uh, and that was that kicked it off. Was the first one was there with probably twenty five or thirty dealers and a couple hundred people through the door. Now it's been Jolanta, but I was was last year. Was it actually the Great Atlanta Toy Convention? Well, back a few years ago, Martin and Buddy. When was that? Around two thousand and five. Five. Yeah. We decided to you know what we like Jolanta, but we need a, a regular toy show mm-hmm. and they had been toy shows for a long time but I guess they've been a glut for probably about five or six years um, at that point and so we started the Great Atlanta Toy Show okay kind of opposite from Jolanta yeah, exactly. Jolanta spring Great Atlanta Toy Show was yeah. fall so sure did, and we literally did so we were doing it quarterly <laughs> which after about a year and a half, we realized, wow, well, that was it was too much to do. Yeah, you know, yeah. full time jobs and then putting on right. Joanna and these four or five other toy shows. But mm-hmm. that's where the Great Atlanta Toy Show came from. Okay. And then, I guess as Joanna um, grew year by year, it became really apparent that there was a lot more than just GI Joes, and that was a problem that a lot of people would hear, and a lot of toy collectors would hear. Oh, there's a there's Joe Lanza. Well, I don't like GI Joe, right. so I'm not going to go to Joe Lanza. But they were, you know, they were missing out, unfortunately, because <laughs> Joe Lanza always had a lot more than just GI Joe, and it just so happened that it kept expanding, and to the point where we also realized it would be nice to have two days, but to also advertise the fact that we are a general toy show as well, and that's kind of where the two then kind of married together to do this, to make this convention. Uh, yeah, and I, I've got to say, for me personally, the first time because GI Joe, the '80s GI Joes, but GI Joe, that's my that'll always be my big toy passion. Love real American hero GI Joes, like that's that's it for me. I collect lots of stuff, but that's it. And I went to Joanna the first time that I went. And I couldn't tell you what year it was, several years ago, and I was surprised when there was more than just GI Joe there. So it was, while it's a great name, it does kind of, you know, could throw you off. Somebody's not into G.I. Joe, they may just think, well, I'm going to skip that one. But, but yeah, I was was thrilled that there was so much other stuff there. And and like I was saying earlier, it's, it's so great to walk into somewhere and see, you know, not just toys, 
but stuff that you've maybe never seen in person before, stuff you didn't even know existed, or you know, it's, and and that's what this is. That's why I'm so excited to be talking to you guys and to be part of it coming in March, which we'll talk about a little bit later. <laughs> uh, anybody else got any particular toy passions to talk about? You've been so quiet. And the rest of it seems Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you you sew for? Do you do customized stuff? What what do you do? Um, I she makes magic cabinets. She did an exclusive. You did the exclusive uh, outfit. Was it the um, the Arctic? Yeah. Yeah. Buddy and I went to college together, and I got back in touch with him. Mm-hmm. And when he found out I could sew, he says, I want you to make outfits for my G.I. Joe's. And I was like, yeah, right. <laughs> a couple of weeks later, he said, no, I'm no, serious. Really? <laughs> and I want you to make extras and bring them to the show in March. So this was like January. So oh, wow. I had <laughs> a lot of lead time. to make about a dozen outfits, and he made up a card to put them on, and I sold out of them before the show ever started. Oh, wow. got orders for about 60 more over the next few months. (laughs) So then, you know, long story short, now I'm doing pieces for the show, and I've done three outfits now for Cotswold. Oh, nice. And uh, people randomly contact me and ask me to do stuff. Yeah, I've decided I don't do pockets for a little bit. Yeah, yeah. 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 Yeah, she does. She's doing her best for a custom figure that will be done and uh, sold at the lobby spot, which I host before at Jordan on the night before the actual show. And the figure <laughs> name is Shanghai Jack of the South China Sea. So that's oh my a gosh. combat vest is being made for Shanghai Jack. I know he was coming out and brought the prototype back tonight. Yeah, this is crazy. It's It's got uh, storage for a sword on the back. It's got a sheath or a pocket yeah. here on the front. It's got snap closures, as opposed, which everything now has Velcro. Everything has Velcro. This has snap closures. This is fantastic. How did you... When when he first asked you, I mean, did you think, yeah, I'm going to be able to stitch tiny little things, or what was the process of figuring out me, how to do this? He gave me um, vintage stuff that wasn't in good shape that I could take apart oh, okay. to make the patterns from, and now I've figured out how to do that without taking things apart for the most part. Right. Really? Yeah. Cool. So... What, was it as far as the stitching? I mean, is it is it? It's tiny stuff. I mean, is it really? Is it more complex or, or sort of focused? You have to focus more than doing yeah. normal stuff. Yeah, it's a little tricky to get those eight inch seams. Yeah, I would imagine so. And that's another thing you've got to be. The sewing machine likes to eat them. <laughs> yeah, because there's no substance there. How do you, as far as the fabrics and everything, it's the, with that scale. It's got to be tricky to get things to drape right mm-hmm. sometimes. I mean, how, how conscious or how, how often do you run into problems with that? Um, with twill, I have problems with it because yeah. it's so much heavier. Like every time? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, this is just quilter's cotton, so it's pretty easy to work with. Um, 
I'm having a dickens of a time trying to find the snaps in the right size. Mm. I can get them in the right size, but they're round, or I can get them square, but they're too big. Oh. You know, and I just happen to luck out and get a gross of these, and so far I haven't run out. <laughs> but yeah, that, that's a tough proposition, because even like if you're trying to make a long coat, Something like that. It's got to hang a certain way, or it looks odd. Mm-hmm. But in that, you know, that small a scale, that's that's got to be a challenge. Wow, yeah. that is an impressive skill set you have. <laughs> all I can do is go buy figures in a store. That's all I've got going for me. Uh, Martin, what what's your main toy passion? <laughs> You'll see my my collection is very eclectic. So there's a lot of everything. And, uh, I mean, I also, just like Mark, I have two of my childhood action men. So I was born in England. Oh, that's so great. And so, yeah, so in 1970, I guess I got my first action man um, and got a couple more after that. I kept them. I have a brother who's nine years younger than me, so my parents kept my toys and he played with them. I had a lot of uh, knights. Detail and tempo, different act, you know, little soldiers, mm-hmm. um, and I really loved those as well. And so he inherited all of those, and I guess uh, my parents ended up keeping them all. And then, okay, everything revolves around Buddy here at some point. So, <laughs> uh, I do uh, cartooning, um, and I'm an artist. And there was a comic shop that I used to go to that apparently Buddy frequented, and this uh, comic owner one day decided that he was going to um, dedicate a wall to original art and we happened to start talking and he realized that my art was appearing in a magazine that he carried so he was nice enough to let me display my artwork and Buddy came in the store and called me and we met and we chatted about the artwork and he invited me out to his house and I went out to his house and I went there and he had about you know 500 G.I. Joes everywhere and at that point in time, I was not really collecting toys, but I had my action men home, and I told him, <laughs> I remember telling him, I just, I just threw one of my action men away, and I could tell him. <laughs> 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 it, was, it was an easy one. That's, that's the first I've heard of that. <laughs> <laughs> so that gave him a small heart attack. But that, uh, I've always collected something. So, I mean, I had been collecting Mad Magazines. That's another huge passion of mine. Um, so, anyway, after meeting him, and, and that kind of ignited my, my action man, G.I. Joe, uh, passion, so I collected that. Marks. I, Marks, yeah, I mean, I, about four or five years ago, I really started getting into Johnny West, Marks, action figures, and the horses, and all nine yards. Those are, I never even had those as a kid, that's the interesting thing. I never really saw them that much, and one day I saw them at Joanna, I guess, and went, wow, these things are really cool, and look how many different accessories come with them, and I don't know, I just, it was one thing led to another, and you can kit bash those things really well, too, you can take the heads off and change them. Oh, nice. So that's really fun, as well, to do that. <laughs> they're like a weapon, Yeah, that's That was the fate a lot of my smaller scale G.I. Joes met, because that, what, my my collection got put up in the hot attic when oh, I oh, yeah. yeah yeah so the aircraft carrier and everything else all warped and oh, you had the aircraft oh yes I was that I was that kid yeah um, but the figures themselves 
I, I remember the delight of discovering a screwdriver tiny enough to get that little screw out of the back of the G.I. Joe figures, and then you can take them apart and make all kinds of different figures, which, you know, at the time was a lot of fun, but now I'm like, why did I do that? Because it was fun. Yeah. But, yeah, customization is is another advantage of the sixth scale toys in general, is is you can do all kinds of different things with those. And and here's... with. With you guys being a little more focused towards the original Joes, how do you feel about later on the the like real American hero stuff? You know that that they had characters, they had assigned ranks, assigned personalities. They they were very specific. Uh, whereas the larger scale stuff, like they may have been a sergeant or whatever, but you kind of made up your own identity and your own story for those. It was very different. Uh, way of playing. I guess, I mean, I'll, for me, I just remember, again, as a child, I don't think I had any, I did not have character toys. All my toys were, I made up the character. Right. You know, whether they were the small soldiers, whatever they were. So, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's just that I know that there were a lot of toys in the starting already in the 50s and 60s, character toys, but mm. I personally didn't have, you know, them. I think kids played with, even if they have them, they were playing interchangeably with them and other, you know, characters that they were making up themselves. So right. It's mine had names. So you made punch yeah, out. exactly. There's little labels you could punch out with it was a piece of plastic. Yeah. You could put the, I would name it, put ranks uh, on it. Uh, uh, cool. Mine didn't. Mine were all just Joe. Yeah. It's, I don't know why. It all represented somebody I knew. Oh, so cool. David would play with his Joe, go get Joe and Joe. And, go and, Joe. <laughs> and where's Joe? Yeah. <laughs> he needs to be in formation. <laughs> my Joe's always either carrying my name or my brother's name. Mm-hmm. Then we fictitiously make up other names. And we had one of the first uh, Mark's figure, the Stony Smith figure, the one that was not articulated. Well, he couldn't really move with that cool accessory, so we made him the general. So he was all, he still, even now I still had my first Stoney. He's considered General Stoney. He's up on the shelf, you know, he said, number this right here, but he's, he's still cool, you know, like I said, and, and he was always the general. He sent everybody else out, you know, and for the, the uh, real American hero characters, when they came back out, I was in my 20s. I had a nephew and I started him playing with them. I, I, I thought they were pretty cool, you know, pretty cool figures, you know, when they said G.I. Joe, you know, first thing, yeah, like, oh man, he's he going to store. Oh, he ain't what you thought he was. You know? <laughs> but you know, just the name, the, the brand was, was cool. Like I said, I got him started off in it because, like I said, I went through every era of GI Joe from the beginning to the Venture Team to Super Joe's or uh, the Defender, which was a blow molded figure that came out after that. So I've seen every area that GI Joe has ever been in. You know, so far as the name, you know. Three and three quarter figure. You know, I'm 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 a part I'm partial to the twelve inch figure, but I I have no problem with anybody who collects the three and three quarter that because to me again it's a joke. Yeah, GI Joe is different things to different yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah. Again, I mean here you know GI Joe to David is always going to be 1964 to yep. 66. Yep. That specific arm, and that's what it's going to be. 
G.I. Joe to me is going to be the fuzz head, you know, bearded guys and adventure team era, you know, and everything else outside of that. Yeah, it's cool. But this is this is this is what I like here. I mean, yeah. I think some people cross over. Yeah, and we um, and I, I don't I really don't know anybody that doesn't think it's wonderful that Joe has lasted yeah, right. 50 uh, years yeah. in all its iterations. And, and, and that's the that's kind of the point of it. Because it's yeah. a, yeah, it, it's based on imaginative play. That's why it was my favorite childhood toy was because you you could go anywhere in the world or outer space or anywhere right you know in your living if it's raining then it's in your room and if it's <laughs> if it's not raining then you're out in the yard going anywhere in the planet yeah. in your imagination and my mine were men of few words. That's why they didn't need names, so they didn't call each other. Each other. <laughs> <laughs> it's just about death and dying, so we don't need to know who the new guy is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's gonna be around. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Did you guys do a parachute drop when you were? Yeah, that was, I broke a hand off of one off the roof. Yeah. I wasn't, wasn't supposed to get on the roof, and I probably should have listened. And I threw him off the roof, and he broke his hand off. Oh, I was depressed. <laughs> First major depression of my life. <laughs> you, could, you could park. Your Jeep under your bed. You could absolutely, absolutely. let the windshield down, yeah. yeah. go under the bed. But yeah, we. I, I just I like the idea that it, multiple generations have been able to just enjoy that imaginative style of play that Joe creates for for folks. And it, and it has been so many different things. Yeah. I mean, they've made GI Joe figures in every scale and every style. It, it's it's endured. It's even now you go to Toys R Us and they've got the 50th anniversary stuff, which I still don't understand why the 50th anniversary stuff is in the three and three quarter inch scale. We don't either. That boggles my mind. Like at the well, if, if they, it's not a sore spot with these guys. No, yeah, well, here's the thing: if if you're gonna involve the real American hero stuff, do like they did with the Hall of Fame stuff. And at least do six scale figures, but of you know Duke and, and whoever else. Yeah. But but yeah, it, it didn't it didn't make any sense to me. But the thing is, it's they don't have anything going right now. It, it ended up having to be a Toys R Us exclusive, and I'm sure Toys R Us wanted a specific thing, mm-hmm. and Hasbro kind of went with what they had to go with. But but yeah, no, I'm I'm actually with you guys on that one. I feel like it needed to be some kind of one six scale release. Even if they did uh, you know, Mattel has the online only Masters of the Universe figures now. Even if Hasbro did something like that where they had done, you know, this year you could go online and buy, you know, twelve months of, of one six scale G.I. Joe figures. You know, something. It seems like they could have worked something like that out. I think Hasbro has justified itself by letting Sideshow produce a 12-inch line, which is, I call it the high-end line. Oh, it is. Because, yeah, they yeah. Have, yeah. Sideshow's been doing um, 12-inch figures, and what's another company's doing? G.I. Joe Retaliators, 12-inch figures that Costwell is selling, you know, so. I think Hot Toys is doing the movie ones, maybe. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Yeah. 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 And then I call them the high-end ones because uh, I can't are. afford them. I, but, I've got two. I had to get Zartan because Zartan is my favorite character, and I had to get Cobra Commander. And I, but that's it. That's as far as I could go with that line. And they're beautiful. They're wonderful toys. But they're almost. It's the point now where like the sideshow and Hot Toys stuff. I mean, they're not really toys. They're they're you know they look great, but. You can't play with them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you can't. You can't, you can't like pose them. them yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, so that's a whole different thing. Well, speaking of uh, the Real American Hero line, though, uh, you know Larry Hama comes almost every year. Oh, yes. To our show. Yes. Wasn't able to come last year because he broke his hip about six weeks before I had mm-hmm. him get replaced mm-hmm. with surgery and literally was released from, re- from the rehabilitation program. Uh, the Thursday that the show started, so he wasn't able to come last year, but he'll be here this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could have gotten him in your ambulance. Yes. I, uh, yeah, yeah. He's going to do a panel, too. I, I adore Larry Hama. Because to me, uh, the G.I. Joe cartoon is where I watched it when I was a kid. Of course I did, because yeah. it was on. But to me, his comics, that's my G.I. Joe, his comics. And I wasn't the one of the years, the first year we found out about him being at Joe Lanta, I was working and wasn't able to go, but my wife got him to do a sketch for me. Mm-hmm. And she calls me up, and, and I didn't even know for sure that she was going to go to the convention, but she just, you know, it was Sunday, she went out there, mm-hmm. and uh, she calls me at work and she says, tell me just real quick, what's your favorite G.I. Joe character? And uh, I, I don't know why Zartan didn't come to mind, but I said Firefly, because I love Firefly, too. Uh, and she says, Firefly. I was like, what are you doing? She was like, just hang on a second. He doesn't know which one Firefly is. Which one is Firefly? <laughs> and I said, he's a saboteur. He wears all gray. Uh, he's got a balaclava on. And he's the. And she's like, he said he's the saboteur and he's all gray. And he's and I hear, oh, oh, okay, okay. I got it. And uh, I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and she's like, I'm having Larry Hama draw Firefly for you. And I was like, what? I'm sitting at work in the room with all these other people freaking now, because I had no idea this was going to happen, so I've got in this our, sketch. In our world, that's called a keeper. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah, 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 you have no idea. She's There are lots of little stories like that that have happened. Mine, mine too, half of what's out there, she found for me yes. somewhere on eBay and surprised me at Christmas and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, and that's a nice, that's awesome. I love that story, though, when you're he's like, oh, which one's that? I mean, yeah. It makes me think Ricky was on his trivia team, G.I. Joe Trivia. Yeah, I was on Larry Hopper. <laughs> <laughs> and when we were we were doing trivia, um, it, it was, you know Alan Bell, yeah. the comic book artist. Yeah. And um, we, were, we were on his team, and at first I thought, this is probably unfair because they're asking questions about Real American yeah. Hero. Right. And... Uh, you know, this is the guy. I don't know if you knew this, but he created all the file cards too. Yeah, yeah. He's so, he's responsible for that line, right? He, he did the file cards. He did the comic books, and they're asking us trivia questions about them. And they'd ask a question, and he would lean to me and say, "Who the hell knows this?" <laughs> Alan's raised his hand. <laughs> yeah, Alan and uh, Mike. Mike was also. Oh yeah, on Mike, the team. Mike, Mike Crow. Crow. He was on the team too, and and Mike and Alan were both just like, "Oh, we totally know this one." And the guy who created the stuff, you know, they would ask him questions, and he's like. I wrote that in a, in one issue of a comic book yeah, right. Right. 30 in years ago. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's no, funny. I'm totally not disturbed by the people on my team. And he was, it, it was really funny because Larry was jokingly giving them a hard time about knowing so much, and Alan had just reread the entire line like within the previous year. So he was, like, he had it all on fresh it. in his head. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Larry hadn't really thought about it. Thought about, yeah, a lot of this stuff, probably in 30 years. Sure. But, um, 
it was it was fun. It was eye opening. You know, I played with the real American Hero toys as a kid, and never in a million years would I have even thought right about meeting the guy who who created the characters, much less being on a trivia team with him. And knowing about his... his, 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 his no, and him not knowing the answers. It was really a, a mind-blowing experience. Well, guess what, Ricky? Next year, Joe, if they have a trivia thing, you're going to be barred from even playing. Because, you know, they don't even let me play trivia. I can I can go in the room, and they'll tell me to go out of the room. EJ, what's that answer? What's that answer, they, I am barred from playing trivia. Oh, I'm in no danger of being barred. I know none of the answers. <laughs> well, you and Larry need to team up. Maybe you know why you're why I remember the first time. Remember yeah. when, you remember when they premiered that movie? Yes, when we premiered the movie. Oh, yeah. Right? There's a whole theater full of people. They're premiering the G.I. Joe movie. We were lucky enough. Special preview. They invited the Joanna crew to the screen. Right. And we had we, we, yeah. we promoted the show there and we were we had a little trivia thing and who's sitting in the front there? <laughs> Mr. EJ over there, every single thing. Now, Ricky, you said uh, you were playing with GI Joe as a kid. Yes. But what was your like? What was your kid gateway into toys? What were the first? Because I when when I first got here, we were talking about toys and stuff, and I said that the Mego toys were my first. Like, that's the first thing I remember having any kind of toy passion for, like wanting all the ones I could get. Because I've always had a collector mentality. Right. And those Migos were first, and then Star Wars happened and changed everything. But what was what was yours? Um, I've always been a collector, too. Uh, my father also suffers from collectorism. Ah. <laughs> and, uh, it's, a pain, it's a painful affliction sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I, I think... I had um, a different obstacle than a lot of other collectors, and we all have different obstacles from each other, but mine was I always wanted toys that they no longer sold in stores. Oh, no. Oh. Like, as a kid, um, I had had an older brother, and he had sort of left me a, a few comic books. He wasn't a comic book guy, but he left me a few comics. So they were a lot older comics than than what would have been out at the time. And they had ads for toys that were no longer sold in stores. So I would just look at these ads for older toys and wish yeah. that, you know, I think, well, what if I send you a dollar ninety nine? Will somebody still be there? Maybe they're still checking that P.O. box. Yeah. <laughs> still be. It's been ten years, but we got one. <laughs> you know, back then comics didn't put an expiration date on them. Yeah, yeah. And, and so I wanted the Mego toys that they advertised in comic books. With uh, you know, they weren't even photographs back then. It was just comic book style drawings of Mego <laughs> figures, which looked terrible and so appealing to me. Yeah. But uh, I wanted the G.I. Joes as a kid. Um, when one of my neighbors went away to college, um, he gave me a box of his old toys, which included what I had assumed was a G.I. Joe. 
And it was actually, I think, a Mr. Action, which is not a G.I. Joe. <laughs> it's a, a very low-quality, blow-molded figure. And uh, I honestly thought, I don't know what all the fuss is about. <laughs> and, and then I saw a G.I. Joe. And uh, I, I saw a G.I. Joe footlocker. And um, I didn't know the word yet, but I, I then understood the emotion behind the word covet. <laughs> and I, I later learned the word to go with that emotion. But I wanted a G.I. Joe so badly. And by G.I. Joe, I mean the 12-inch, the 1.6 right. scale. But they hadn't been sold in stores for years. Yeah. So unlike most of the guys who collect the 12-inch figures who collected them while they were in stores stopped when they discovered girls and started again once they had a girl. Um, I actually went through that period of wanting G.I. Joe's uh, sort of through all of that, and I, I didn't really have the um, the option of just going to a store and buying yeah. them. So even though I had... Or, or a, the internet. Or the internet, that's right. Um, I, I am pre-internet as a, as a kid, I was. Yeah. So uh, as a kid... My father and I would go to um, flea markets, things like that, and every once in a while, I would find a G.I. Joe. So I got my first 12-inch G.I. Joe at, uh, you may be familiar with Lakewood Antique yeah, yeah. Market, or whatever it was called at the time. Um, some lady had a box of Barbie stuff that had a G.I. Joe in there, and I forget the price. I want to say it was 10 bucks for the G.I. Joe and all the accessories that I could find that weren't Barbie. And uh, so that's kind of the first one that I got. But I never really went through that period of time of not collecting. Um, it, it was just a matter of not finding. Right, and right. unlike a lot of the, the collections that these guys have where um, David has a massive collection of... Uh, the figures in the correct uniforms and, and all put together in pristine condition and EJ does a lot of customizing and you know each guy does their own thing mine is I have the lowest quality figures and accessories of anyone that we know um, which, makes it, that people which makes it yeah. so cool it's just yeah. indescribable well and that's <laughs> your guys have been through war right they're out on the other side my my figures literally have been put together from pieces that these guys were going to throw away um, and wouldn't uh, go that far but they don't throw away well, <laughs> well, you don't yeah, yeah, I, yeah, when I enter the picture yeah yeah Mark, yeah, you know, when, when he, got up, you know, he got upset with me one night. Remember somebody yeah. had a, a, a <laughs> yeah. shoulder, bent his shoulder, and I can use one of my fingers. And I snipped the, the thing off. He said, EJ, what did you do? I said, I just snipped it off. What you do? Man, I I wanted that. I said, but the pieces broke with them. I, I was going to tie it on there. So I had to cut it apart. I, I felt bad after I'd done it. <laughs> but I, so I repair, I, you know, collections, uh, they grade figures from C1 to C10, C1 being terrible condition, C10 being excellent condition. My collection in general is probably around a C2 or C3. <laughs> um, it's really low quality stuff that uh, literally uh, people that I've met online and other guys in the club have really just given me the leftover junk when they buy a lot 
it's like, well, I can keep this and put it in my collection. I can probably sell this on eBay. I can do nothing with this. Ricky, <laughs> is there anything you can take from this? And um, I've put complete figures together just from broken parts. So I have the MacGyver of yeah. 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 But my my rule for myself is I don't use anything to repair these figures that I couldn't have acquired as a kid in the 70s or 80s or 60s or whatatever the figures were out. Wow. So That's I, deranged. I won't, <laughs> I won't get replacement parts. I won't use reproduction parts. I won't use uh, repair items that I wouldn't have known about. Yeah, yeah. Velcro? Yeah, when did Velcro come in? That's what I was wondering. Well, she was in the space program in the 60s. So you okay. didn't hit yeah. the mass market. I, I wouldn't use Velcro, though, because it, it wouldn't have been something I would have had access to as a kid. So right. I, I use things like um, uh, tape, glue, pa- a lot of paper clips. There are a lot of paper clips. <laughs> my G.I. Joe's together. Wooden dowels, the heads off of push pins. So lots of things like that that I would have had as a kid to repair my toys as a kid. And uh, I, I really don't aspire to have mint condition figures sure. as much as just to original. be able to take original parts that have been you know left in a box somewhere as junk and put together figures from that. It's like outcast toys. Yeah, it's uh, the box of misfit toys. Well, that, that's I, I can kind of you know I said that's deranged, but I can kind of relate to that because when we were talking about the Cotswold stuff and the reproduction parts, while if I had a vintage figure that needed new hands, and I was thinking this when you were talking about it, I would definitely get some reproduction hands, put them on there, but it would bug me that they were. I, yeah. I, I, I'm Here exactly it. the same way. Ha- everything ha- it has to be Here to it. me. To me, it. it's all gonna be vintage. There's it. no way I would Here put. It. But I would do it. I would. I would put them on there because I would have to have hands. My guy would have to have hands. Do it until you but, find the vintage hand. I, right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know where that yet. Yeah, I can appreciate what you're saying because the the first figure I have lost a hand. And as a kid, I found another hand that was smaller and put on it. And it's still there. And I, I actually found a hand that would fit. Yeah, and I was like, no, I don't know. It's good. He's just like he was in 1968. And I think it's great that Hasbro's released all these figures and Cotswold's making the reproduction parts. And you can collect, you know, really high-end, super detailed stuff that's, that's put out now. That stuff's awesome. And some of it I would love to own if I could afford it. My collecting strategy honestly came out of necessity, you know, just not having the money to buy really nice stuff. Yeah. And for a long period of time, only having things in my collection on the rare occasions that I found whatever crap I did at a flea market, um, I, I couldn't go buy reproduction parts for a long time. They just didn't exist. Yeah. So um, once I got used to that, way of collecting it it just sort of became the challenge that I enjoyed turned into an aesthetic yeah and uh, so some of the the pieces that I have in my collection uh, guys have given me junk that they thought was worthless and I put a figure together and took a picture and sent it to them and they're like oh my god (laughs) how did you put this together with that crap (laughs) that's that's kind of a good feeling to be able to sort of make something from 
a bunch of junk. Well, and that's that's like that's a whole other level of the hobby too. Is that you're you're not just collecting things; you're kind of in the process, almost making art with you know getting these things back together and creating because. While it may be, you may have put together the pieces to put an original figure together, you did the work. Right. Like, that's Ricky's figure. Yeah. That's yours. <laughs> like, you've created this thing that only you really had a hand in. That, that's, that's a whole other... There's one figure in my collection, and I, I did this on purpose, but every single piece is broken. Like, there isn't a single piece on the figure that wasn't. What do you need from these? Yeah. I've got parts at home. We're going to fix this guy up. We'll put the medic on him. We're going to get this guy fixed. Now, see, this guy to be a real modest, but this is also a good customizer right here. He's not saying nothing. This guy and this guy right here, too, along with Brian Taylor, are two of the best weatherizing guys who can make a figure look like a real figure that's in the group besides two other guys who are not Steve Bud and, and Mark Garner Mike. Mike Garner who does the uh, dioramas and things for Joe Atlanta these guys this guy that guy and those two those are three guys are the top guys this guy and those three guys who are here when, for the radio. when yeah. you guys <laughs> when you're doing <laughs> customizations do you generally, how, how does it happen more often? Do you see a figure and think, I'd like to either weather it or turn it into something else? Or, like, do you get inspired by the toy? Or do you have something in your head, like, you know, I'd like to make something that looks like this. It's time to start looking for parts. My idea comes from a 54-millimeter figure. Really? A 135th scale yeah. figure. Okay. Inspiration from. Huh. Okay. And that's where I start from there. And then start looking for pieces and... Yes. Okay. I'll do it from uh, from a, a, an actual photograph from World War II or something like that. And then change it. Maybe I'll paint anything like it when I finish it, but it's, or it's I get the concept idea. of that figure. Yeah. You know, it's a moment. I'll get an idea from a movie, too. Do you sit down and draw out a plan, or is it more just, okay, this piece is going to go here? Go through the box. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this will work. Well, I'm just going to figure out how I'm going to accessorize it. First of all, I'm going to with the uniform and how I'm going to weather the uniform. You know, I'm going to have it this way, that way, tweak it this way, and then then I'll go back and you know what gear I'm going to have. On. I don't want to have too much and then not enough. So that's why I go from there. I have started one, and when I get to a certain point, he looks like something else, and that's where I stop. It yeah. wasn't what my intent was, but that's right. what it became. And how often does that happen where you have an idea... But once you get into the process, you're like, you know what? I could do something different, but that I think will be more fun or that I'll like more. Oh, yeah, occasionally. Yeah. And you got you guys uh, have had stuff at, at Joe Lanta, like because they're always these amazing, not just the dioramas, but also the single figures on display. Uh, that I I have hundreds of pictures at home. Of, uh, of all of that stuff. What, do you have special plans that you do for the convention? Like, would, do you think, okay, I'm going to do this thing for Joe Lanta, or is it more, I made this recently and it would be really neat to bring out? Well, my plan is what I'm just going to do for Joe Lanta this year. I haven't entered anything in probably four or five years, so this year okay. in a while. Oh, very cool. Probably going to be entering two small figure diorams. 
Last year, Steve Bug and I did a little mini diorama for a museum at the Tacoma Curry Museum, and they were going to keep it till the end of the year, and I picked it up and put it back together and put it at the show. So we had that planned. I don't have anything planned right now. Uh, well, I take that back. I, I probably have 50 things in my mind. Sure. I don't know if I'll ever have any of them finished. Right. Yeah. So there is something there. But you didn't do the medic last year? I thought you did the medic. I did? I don't remember when. I may have. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sometimes I just go get something I've already done. Yeah. I did. I did. Yeah, World War II. <laughs> I've got one at home I did from uh, yeah. kind, of the, kind of the Band of Brothers. Uh, I think so. Specialist Row. I mean, not Specialist Row. No, the Medic. Oh, that was the end of the week. Yeah. And the, when we were at the lake. No, you but no, it's a yeah. different different one you did. Yeah, that, I had a different one. G- I had several. I thought that's a that's a, a lot of medics. Yeah. yeah. Well, just to wrap up the recording portion of the evening, uh, what next year, 2015, uh, Great Atlanta Toy Convention? When is it? Where is it? What's happening? All right. So it will be open to the public on the 14th and 15th of March. Uh, It's at the Marriott Century Center, which is right off of Claremont Road on 85. Um, Two full days panels all day long, both days, 200 tables full of any kind of toy and pop culture thing you can think of. There'll be special guests. Larry Hama will be there. We're working on a couple of other special guests. Um, there'll be a whole room dedicated to all the custom um, figures and dioramas. They will be show dioramas as always. Um, there'll be the parachute drop. There'll be the lobby swap. Um, we actually have, you know, I mentioned the, the two days, the main days, but the show <laughs> to people coming from outside, from out of town, will start as early as Wednesday. Oh, wow. We have different events going on, actually. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we have uh, <laughs> on Saturday night. As part of the uh, <laughs> as part of the commander's package, we have a special commander's package. Who's that Saturday night? <clears throat> Radio Cult. If we don't know about Radio Cult, where can we find out about Radio Cult? <laughs> Probably at RadioCult.com, where you can watch Radio Cult videos, see Radio Cult photographs, and even play the Radio Cult video game. Oh uh, my! And purchase one six scale. And would it be a sneak appearance of the Possum Kingdom Ramblers? There just might be. An electric rake could potentially (laughs) show up. That's right. right. So tell me about the commander's package. So uh, every year we have about 90 uh, 90 commander's packages is what we're going to have this year. And it includes... um, Admission to the show both days for both yourself and a guest. It includes a, a t-shirt for yourself, a one-six scale t-shirt, um, our exclusive figure that we have. What do we call him? Colonel Caliber. Colonel The steampunk <laughs> theme from what we've been doing the last few years. Which the listeners can't see him, but I'm looking at him right now, and he's awesome. Cool. He is awesome. <laughs> but yeah, it's a, the, the commander's package is a general package. Um, I'm going to announce it actually in the next few days now that we've finally got the 
the prototype figure will take some pictures and post it online and kind of officially open up the commander's packages. Um, now, where can we find that online? Um, initially, I'm going to go ahead and put it on uh, on Facebook through the Facebook page. Yeah, be sure to like us on Facebook. Yeah, absolutely. Joe Lanza and the Great Atlanta Toy Convention is where you can find. There's a lot of Joe Lanza pages, but that's the that's the main one at this point. And I'll have a link to it in the show notes. So check the site, and it'll be in there. The uh, the commander's package also includes uh, the Friday evening activities and the Saturday evening activities, which includes the Radio Cult concert Saturday night. Saturday night. Uh, Saturday, Saturday night. Saturday night. Saturday night. And Friday night is the lobby swap. Oh, yeah. So World famous. So the yes. lobby swap is basically what what that is. Oh, actually, go ahead, EJ. Take it away. What's the lobby swap? <laughs> the lobby swap is the largest indoor hoopla that you can find. Fully closed. Fully closed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I walk around. Well, I walk around in a top hat with steampunk goggles on it, and I try to make you have the best time you want to have. We have uh, some of the dealers come down. The idea of it is, you bring a container down. You can swap trailers, sell whatever's in your container. We. The main thing is, and it's like again, we're gonna just ride back on Buddy. The concept of Joe Atlanta is not only just to sell toys; it is also a social event. We enjoy the camaraderie of our guests, our vendors that come to our show. We don't want you to just come to the show just to buy a toy. We want you to feel that you are actually part of of our group or what they call it, our tribe. The Live Swap was created as a um, vehicle for that. It's a way for us to get to know more of our vendors, to get to know some of our commanders, and some of the guests, like I said, is, is open to the commanders who want to come down and uh, shop with some of the dealers the night before. Like I said, there are good deals there. I will have an exclusive of 20 figures of Shanghai Jack for the South China Sea there. And I will be walking around in my top hat. And I'm also daring myself to put on a feather board this year. If Hulk Hogan do it, I can too. That's right. Glittery cape. Yeah, I got it. Yeah, that's a, yeah. That's an important point. What EJ said that we we think of Joe Lennon's Great Atlanta Toy Show as a as a wonderful social forum oriented around an artifact. So it's so it's all about the social and about having a good time and and um, just being together and part of part of the tribe and. Um, being just overwhelming. I, my daughter-in-law came first time a few years ago, about probably four or five years ago, and she was just bubbling over. She said, I've never seen so many happy people in one place at one time in my life. <laughs> yeah. And she comes back. She's now will not miss it for the world because she says she just cannot miss that dose of that great level of joy uh, for, for two straight days. So. Sometimes it moves into the it does, and goes on for three or four days, right? <laughs> and I guess, yeah, you know, something that you just touched on that we didn't mention yet as well. So I mentioned that the show, you know, people are coming from out of town as early as Wednesday. Well, Thursday and Friday, we actually have events that we, we rent a bus and, and we go. So this year, we're going to go to the... So the, the, the infantry museum, and oh, then we're cool. also going to go to um, the, the Atlanta History, History Center as well. Uh, last year, we we did a, a tour of Sonoya, uh, where the Walking, walking Dead, yeah, yeah, walking yeah. Tour. and then we went to a variety of uh, 
some pretty spectacular yeah. uh, toy collections of Brian Tatum's and Tim Merritt's. And so every year we we do stuff like that yeah. as well. So mm -hmm. we went to Stone Mountain one yeah. year. The, bo the Booth uh, the Western Art Museum right. up in Cartersville, yeah. which is just incredible. It's just incredible. So this is much, much more than just a toy show, right. which toy show, that's pretty fantastic yeah. in the first place, but it's, it's a convention. It's a full-on yeah, full social gathering. Uh, bands playing, panels, everything's going on. I mean, I'm I'm really excited about it. I'm costuming. really excited to be part of it. Yeah, yeah costuming. Costume. You guys yeah, have really a put a focus on contest. that too. Right. Mm -hmm. And and it's uh, I, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited to be part of it. And we will, as it gets closer, uh, we'll put up another full episode dedicated just to uh, the 2015 Great Atlanta Toy Convention. Uh, where, where we'll be able to talk more about the guests that are going to be there and everything that's going on. But for now, I want to thank you guys for inviting me over and for making me part of this. Oh, absolutely. Uh, it's it's no been a great time talking to you, and I look forward to doing it a whole lot more. Yeah, absolutely, man. What a lovely bunch of people. I can't wait to see them again. Hopefully I can make it out to one of the other meetings, but I will definitely be at the Great Atlanta Toy Convention in March. And I want to remind you, of course, to listen to the Needless Things podcast on iTunes and Stitcher, to check us out at needlessthingssite.com, and of course to enter the Zenoscope Entertainment Needless Things in Wonderland contest by sending your email to phantomtroublemaker at gmail.com. Subject, Needless Things in Wonderland. Tell me what you would take with you into Wonderland and include your name and your address. Pick the winner, midnight. Well, <laughs> I'm not picking the winner at midnight. Uh, but uh, midnight on December 13th is when this thing ends. So get your entry in. Before then, follow Needless Things all week long. See what's happening there. We've got a lot of good posts this week. They're already done. They're all done. This week is done before it even started. Or next week, rather. Sorry. It's it, Once again, it's late, tired. Christmas is coming and Phantom's getting fat. Please put a penny in the old man's luchador mask. Remember, you can always donate to Needless Things by hitting that PayPal button. Uh, whether it's on the Podbean page or whether it's on the main site, there's the Help Out Needless Things. And uh, you can also go to our Amazon store. You can find the link right under the banner on needlessthingssite.com. Buy some stuff through there. Help us out. Give us feedback through the email address I mentioned before. Find us on Facebook, Twitter. We're everywhere. I'm tired. I really love the meat of this episode. Not so happy with my work at the beginning and the end, but you know what? I love you guys. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network, your station for all things geek, classic, current, and beyond. Be part of the crew at esonetwork.com.